You are listening to the City on a Hill Sermon Podcast. For more information about our church and to support this ministry, visit cityonahilldfw.com. Thank you. Good morning. Hey, I wanted to uh, tell you guys a, a quick story this week on Friday. Uh, if any of you know my youngest child, Abigail, she's four years old, and she doesn't do anything quietly. She, uh, she talks loud, she sings loud, she plays loud, and she definitely watches the TV really loud. And I was getting, uh, getting dressed in my bedroom next to the living room. She was watching a movie and I could hear every word that this movie uh, was, was uh, saying and singing because she was watching The Little Mermaid and so just trying to connect on her level and be fun and a little bit goofy with her I came out singing one of the songs from the movie to her louder than the TV and she just frowns at me so I changed my voice I sang it a little bit differently and I said do I sound like Ariel she said no you don't sound like Ariel None of your singing sounds like Ariel, but I like you. <laughs> and so uh, if that's not an example of uh, telling the truth and love at the same time, I don't know what it is, but that's, uh, that's what I'm going to try and do today. I'm going to try and, and tell you the truth uh, with love today. And um, we're going to be sharing out of First uh, John chapter 2, verse 7 through 11. And it says, Beloved, I am writing you no new commandment, but an old commandment that you had from the beginning. The old commandment is the word that you have heard. At the same time, it is a new commandment that I'm writing to you, which is true in him and in you. Sounds like he needs to make up his mind. Because the darkness is passing away and the true light is already shining. Whoever says he is in the light and hates his brother is still in darkness. Whoever loves his brother abides in the light, and in him there is no cause for stumbling. But whoever hates his brother is in the darkness and walks in the darkness and does not know where he is going because the darkness has blinded his eyes. We're going to focus a lot on the first part of this text this morning and uh, ask the question, what is John saying here? He sounds a little indecisive. Is the commandment he's talking about old or is it new? Well, the answer is yes. It is both of those things. And I want to start out by showing you what he was talking about with the commandment being old. You know, he was quoting from uh, the Old Testament, particularly Deuteronomy 6 verse 5. Uh, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might. In other words, with everything that you have, love the Lord your God. Wisby says it this way. He says, to love God is not to have good feelings about him. For true love involves the will as well as the heart. Where there is love, there will be service and obedience. And it kind of goes back to what Derek was sharing uh, last week, that we are not free to do whatever we want if we call Jesus our Lord. Are we, we are slaves to a merciful master. 
in service and obedience to him. Uh, last weekend, I actually didn't get to hear uh, Derek's sermon live here. I was at the uh, ranch in East Texas at the men's encounter weekend, and we had a really an incredible time. God really uh, spoke a lot of things to me uh, during that time, and a lot of significant things happened. Uh, perhaps the most significant thing that happened was before we even got to the ranch. And uh, I pulled up here at the church at the time I was instructed to uh, register to go on the event and um, was reminded that I am not allowed to be in control or have any power over this weekend and I was not allowed to drive my own vehicle. We had to get in the beautiful, lovely 15 passenger vans that City on a Hill owns and um, after all those years leading those mission trips and camps with the kids, I'm so sorry. Yes. Oh man, I sat in that back row bouncing around every bump and I remember exactly what they must have been going through. But we head down there and we go in convoy, all three of the vans and uh, van two and van three are just following, right? And so we, uh, we get almost all of the way. We get to uh, Palestine and we're sitting at the light and the light turns green. The first two vans take their turn and the uh, light changes and the third van doesn't make it. Uh, but do not worry, the light eventually turned green and they made their turn and they saw the white vans in front of them and called up to them and followed them right into Palestine prison. <laughs> they, they did not identify the correct white vans <laughs> and drove all the way into the premises of the prison, only really realized when they looked around and saw the barbed wire and the fencing and, uh, and the first two vans, uh, passengers got out in their jumpsuits that they knew that they had gone to the wrong place. I know some of the guys in that van was shrinking in their seats, you know. And um, thankfully, uh, the driver U-turned and the uh, security guard that had let them in without any identification also let them out without any identification. So. If you do get arrested, uh, you might request that you go to the Palestine prison because security seems a bit kind of easy there. But <laughs> they made it out, they got back, they found their way, and they, and they made it to the ranch. But, uh, you know, I just, I'll tell you that story because it matters who you follow. It matters who you follow. Um, and we're going we're gonna to look today and see what it looks like if you are truly following Jesus and obeying his commandments. So the other uh, Old Testament verse uh, that uh, John is quoting here, so we've looked at Deuteronomy 6, the other one is in Leviticus 19 verse 18, you shall not take vengeance or bear a grudge against the sons of your own people, but you shall love your neighbor as yourself. I am the Lord. Doesn't sound like much of a suggestion, does it? It also reminds us that the first time love your neighbor is in the Bible, it's in reference to people you don't like. People you have a grudge against or want to have vengeance against. This is not the love that we like to think about. We think about our brothers and sisters in Christ or our family and loving one another, right? We, we love this idea of the people we know and are close to us. And the first time this is talked about is not people that it's easy to get on with. And so he's, he's quoting these old uh, commandments, but then he says, but they're also new. And so we're gonna look what happened when Jesus uh, 
quoted these in Matthew 22, when the Pharisees heard that he had silenced the Sadducees, which by the way, they would have loved that he silenced the Sadducees, they gathered and one of them, a lawyer, asked him a question to test him, teacher, which is the great commandment in the law? And he said to him, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the great and first commandment. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments depend all the law and the prophets. So Jesus is uh, quoting these Old Testament laws. You know, the Pharisees had all of these different laws that they were trying to live by and had already began to separate these laws into categories of, you know, significance. And they called them light and heavy. The light ones, maybe not as important. The heavy ones, very important. And they had already made their little categories of the laws that they were supposed to live by because they couldn't easily remember and live perfectly all of the laws. So they categorized them. And when they asked Jesus this question, they're asking him, what is the highest priority? What is the number one of all of these? What is the greatest of all of these? And in Jesus' ministry, he's asked 307 questions. He only gives a direct answer to three of them. This is one of the times. When he's asked that question, he quotes the Old Testament and he tells them is to love God with everything you have and love your neighbor as you love yourself. So it's not a new commandment, but here it has a new emphasis. It's now the greatest. You know, when we, um, when we think about this and, and we look at the ways that we love others, we might be able to put them into two categories ourselves. And I'm going to label these categories incidental and intentional. So, so these incidental opportunities to love people are things that are unplanned by you. You didn't plan them, they just... They, opportunities came to you. They presented themselves to you and you get to meet a need in the moment. Okay, so it's not something that you expected to happen that day. Some of the examples of this might be a, a, a church member's home catches fire. They have to move out while the home is being repaired. And they're given so much help financially, gift cards, food, that they literally have more than they need and they immediately can pay it forward to another single mom who has need. That's pretty incredible. Unplanned, and that happened. Yeah, it's, and, and we didn't plan it, you don't expect it to happen, but you respond to it when it, when it does. Another example might be uh, your vehicle breaks down and you're on the side of a highway and a, a church member recognizes the vehicle. Perhaps they see you standing outside by it on the phone or just, you know, hands up in the air, don't know what to do. And they exit, they U-turn, they come right behind you and they wait with you until, it, until help has come to fix the problem. That happened to me. Actually, it happened to me within the first few months of being at this church. And it really blessed me because they hardly knew me at all. Another incidental uh, opportunity might be a family member suddenly gets diagnosed with a, an illness and you go by their side and you stand with them in the hospital, put your arm around them and just be there. And we weep with those who weep and we comfort those who need comforting. 
And, and these are all things that happen here at City on the Hill, and it's not planned. You can't really do anything much for it. It just happens, and we respond in a way that we think is the most loving way we can for that person. And, and I think it's what it means in the Bible when it tells us to go and as we... As we go, make disciples. It's that as we go, things happen, right? <laughs> things we can't plan and, and, and can't expect. And, and we have this momentary opportunity to, to show the love. But there's a difference between being uh, uh, in the, in the incidental, meeting those needs with those who we love and know in the church and with our neighbors or maybe with those who we hold a grudge against or want vengeance against or are not saved and we don't know them very well and we, and we don't love them very well. There's a difference between how we respond to these two kinds of people. And, um, you know, these unplanned opportunities don't mean that we should not be prepared. Unplanned and unprepared are not the same thing. And let me read you this in First Peter chapter 3. It says, uh, Now who is there to harm you if you are zealous for what is good? But even if you should suffer for righteousness' sake, you will be blessed. Have no fear of them, nor be troubled. But in your hearts, honor Christ the Lord as holy, always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you. Yet do it with gentleness and respect. So we've got these people that are in the church that we love incidentally so very well when the moment presents itself. But when the moment presents itself for us to share the gospel with a non-believer, how prepared are you? Uh, I was at a conference this weekend, and it was an apologetics conference. Uh, Michael Lewis, one of our elders, and his wife Christina uh, were there and uh, getting to share about the universe-designed movie that is, he is working on that is... Uh, to come out here within the next year and uh, really awesome a lot of the uh, speakers at this apologetics conference feature in in the documentary he's putting together and I got to go hear some of them one of them was Jay Warner Wallace and he said this in the session I, I sat in yesterday he said if I told you that we were going to finish this sermon early today we're only going to preach for 15 minutes and I'm going to give you the rest of the time to go to downtown Fort Worth and share the gospel on the streets with non-believers, would you do it? And would you do it enthusiastically? And some of you are sitting here saying, you better not. <laughs> like there's something in your heart that rears up with the idea of like a, a momentary opportunity that's presented to you and you're afraid or you have this rebellious response in your heart, I'm not doing that. That's not for me. If you tell me to do that, I will leave, but I'll just go home, or I'll go get an early lunch. Uh, what uh, Wallace uh, said about this is that enthusiasm and preparedness have a very close relationship. Like the more prepared you are, for sharing the gospel with a non-believer, the more enthusiastic you will be when the opportunity comes. See, if you're not prepared, you're going to be afraid and scared and not know what to say. And you're going to have all these excuses and reasons. But if you have gotten your mind in a place where you know what you're going to share, you know how you want to share 
your testimony with somebody. You know a scripture well enough to be able to quote it to someone and begin a conversation. Now, not that you would be in a place to be able to answer every objection or question they might have perfectly. That may never happen. But to be able to be honest and say, you know what? I don't know the answer to that. Would you be willing to exchange information where we can keep the conversation going? I'd love to find that out. But to be in a place where I am prepared enough to take hold of these opportunities as they come up with non-believers is part of loving our neighbor. The preparation is loving (laughs) because you are getting ready for when the moment comes. You don't have to run away. You know, um, there are some some legends in the Bible that uh, felt just the way that you felt when I suggested that that might be something we do today which I'm still not promising we're not going to. By the way. Um, and I want to tell you about some of these legends because we know them as heroes and look up to them and learn from the scriptures about them and want to be a little bit more like them and, and for God to use us in similar ways. But we don't recognize that these five men I'm about to share with you in scriptures literally would rather have died than do God's work. First one is Moses in Numbers 11, 13 to 15. He said, just go ahead and kill me. Do me a favor and spare me of this misery. And he's talking about the fact that he is being placed with all these whining, complaining, faithless people and having to serve them. And they keep going through this cycle of, well, we better if we just went back. And doing God's work would be better for him if he was just dead. Elijah, in 1 Kings 19, says, I have had enough. Lord, take my life. I am no better than my ancestors. And he looks at what he's doing, and he he is afraid that he's not going to be any better than the people that God has used before him, that he's just as hypocritical and flawed. And his excuse is, I don't want to do this because I'm not good enough. I'd rather that take me away. I do not want to do your will. And Job... He says, why did I not perish at birth and die as I came from the womb? He didn't even want to be born and experience any of his life. The pain and the loss that God's will uh, imposed upon his life meant he would rather die than, than do God's work. Jeremiah said, cursed be the day I was born, the day my mother bore me, let it not be blessed. I think about poor old Jeremiah, he didn't have... A, sing, a significant uh, reaction from anyone in his ministry for 40 years, you know, and there was no, no noticeable results for 40 years. And I just imagine that he just felt insignificant and useless and like he was wasting his life and, and other people's time. And I would rather die than have my whole life be like this. Jonah said, it would be better for me to die than to live. And we know Jonah, Jonah is the rebel. He literally did everything he could to not go and tell people about God. I I will run in the other direction. And we know how it turns out for him. But still, you see the story of a, a huge fish swallowing him up, spewing him out. 
and him now having to go stinking like he does, and you still have the same Jonah attitude in your heart when I say, let's go do street evangelism. Rebels. All of us. We all have it in us. And we all say the same thing today. We, we just say it in different ways. I'm not good enough. I don't know what to say. I'm, I'm afraid. I'm too busy. You know, we've got all these excuses that we come up with as to why I'm not going to do it. But when I started out and told you I'm going to tell you the truth and love, it was for this reason. It's because of what I'm going to tell you right now. It's, it's because you don't love people enough. And maybe more so, it's because we don't love Jesus enough. And I'm, I'm, not, I'm not just accusing you and, and getting myself off the hook. I'm the same. There, there are moments I don't take that are presented to me because I don't want to. I'm too busy. I'm distracted. I've got something else I'd rather do. Or I don't know what they're going to ask me and I don't want to find out. And I'm exactly the same way. I don't prepare myself for the opportunities well enough that I am excited when I, when I get them. We've got to prepare ourselves so that when those opportunities come, we take them. It's, it's the loving thing to do. Now, when God looks at your uh, excuses and my excuses and, and our ugliness and our attitudes towards being obedient to him and, and loving non-believers like this, uh, God looks at those and he says, that's perfect. That's exactly what I need. Because now I'm going to get the credit when something good happens, when this person's life is changed, when they repent. It's not because you were perfectly prepared and have everything right to say. When you're obedient, even when you feel these feelings, God does something in you and through you. So we have these incidental opportunities in our life that we can prepare for, but then we have these intentional opportunities to love people too. So the intentional opportunities are things that you, uh, you plan to do them, you expect to do them, uh, you uh, are going to the opportunity rather than the opportunity coming to you. And it's something that meets an ongoing need. It's not just a one-time momentary thing. And so, you know, at City on a Hill, I think we do it really well for other believers, for those who are a part of the church. You know, we have this entire uh, calendar of events and weekly opportunities to make people know that they are loved, for us to actively care for them in our, in our life groups, in our freedom groups, you know, really being vulnerable and sharing and, and embracing people as they are, broken and honest. Uh, getting a chance to not just join a life Bible study only so I can know the scripture, but learning this with each other, doing this in community, growing together in our understanding of God's word. Uh, hands up if you've ever participated in a meal train for someone who was in need. Somebody just gave birth. There's more than I thought. A lot of us. It's a popular thing that we, we have here. If somebody has, uh, you know, just uh, given birth or somebody has been sick or have gotten themselves in a situation that was out of their control, this is a great way we bless people is providing food, serving in the church, in the children's ministry, caring for my kids while I'm here right now. This is a way that I am shown love at this church, in the student ministry, 
being welcomed at the host team, letting somebody have the last mint out of the bowl. <laughs> Personal accountability, you know, that you, you have people here that you trust and you know and you can call when you've got something going on in your life. There's so many ways that we love each other so well within the church. And, and there are things that we plan to do, right? There, there's training that you've attended for these things, you know? And especially if you're leading in any of these areas, you, you exchange messages and emails and text every week with people that are in your group or with the, the, the person overseeing that ministry. You have it on your calendar. You know uh, that you're going to do these things and you plan towards doing them. But what does it look like to be that intentional with non-believers? Are we as intentional to love those who are not in the church as we are here in the church? And I'll show you this list of things. We do do some things. So, uh, you know, Glue is it's an ad-led um, ministry that puts uh, radio advertisements, TV, and billboards that leads people to a website called Bless Every Home. I'm sorry, a uh, website called uh, Churches Care. And um, when people send a message about the pain or the loss or the depression or the anxiety that they are feeling, uh, the church, uh, Churches Care will direct them to a particular church that has signed up that's close to them that can call them and help them and put their arm around them. And that has been, there's a number of, of people in our church that between 10 and 12 that said, I will be one of those people that will call and help those who are asking for help. Uh, we have uh, our boxing ministry that's in partnership with the police. We have Meals on Wheels that uh, serves 800 meals a week in East Fort Worth for homebound neighbors and you know we have several members of the church that are, are a part of that it's a really awesome thing our basketball ministry has been going for uh, over two decades and uh, just last month we re, uh, restarted in a new format the youth basketball uh, ministry and moved it onto Wednesday nights so that any kids that come will uh, be able to plug straight into the youth group so it's not a separate night from what the uh, the church youth group is doing, City Lights youth group is doing. And uh, since we redid that in January, uh, we've had more than 30 new students come to City on the Hill and plug in and stay and be in church and learn God's word and get to eat with other believers. And it's just been an amazing thing. And so there's some really cool things that we do in the church to intentionally love our neighbors. And there's people in this room who intentionally love in ways that I don't even know about. I hear about people going into the prisons as a prison chaplain and sharing with people there that need to hear the love of God. People go as a hospital chaplain and volunteer to go and serve their time uh, at, the, at the bedside of those who are sick. Uh, I hear people that are in community NA groups, not our freedom groups, but a community support group to help the people that are part of that group know about the love of Jesus in their life. There is intentional things that is happening at City on a Hill but we don't have anything that as a church, as an entire church, we can all be in together and we can all participate in to love our neighbors in a strategic and practical way until today. Are you excited? 
Okay. I'm going to tell you about um, Bless Every Home. Bless Every Home. Bless Every Home is a uh, ministry that utilizes technology so that you can know your neighbors by name, so that you can pray, care, and share and disciple your neighbors. Is that ugly feeling coming back again? I know it is. I want to show you a little bit about what this does. So this, uh, this dashboard will show you uh, an example of when you, when you sign up to Bless Every Home, and City on a Hill has a uh, particular page where we are part of, so you will sign up to City on a Hill's Bless Every Home initiative. Uh, and every day we'll receive um, the names of five neighbors that you can pray for. Uh, and over time that you will be able to know them by name, that they will know you by name, that one day you might share about your story and share Christ with them, that they might be discipled. I want to show you a map of what this looks like. It's not much different to uh, what you might find with a Google Maps or Apple Maps that you use to navigate the city, uh, except for when you sign up, you put your address in, you'll see your home. If you hover over your name, uh, it will come up with your name. If you ho hover over a neighbor, it will come up with their name. You'll be able to know your neighbors by name so that you can pray for them by name. Whenever you've prayed for them, you can simply click prayed and it will come up on here and, and indicate who you've prayed for in your neighborhood. Hopefully over time, multiple times that we've prayed for those people. You might choose to walk by their home and do a prayer walk and pray for them. You might not like walking and just want to drive past and don't do it too slowly, that will look creepy. Uh, <laughs> But you might pray, you might drive past and pray for them. You might, if you're like me, sit at your desk and when you get this reminder, take a moment and just think about them and, and pray for them. Uh, once you know them, you might know some of your neighbors already by name, if you, especially if you've lived there for a certain amount of time. You'll go to the next one here. You'll see you can indicate that you've cared for them. They know you. They know who you are. They know your name, perhaps. You know them. And you've had interaction with them. This may be something that's already occurred. It may be something that you pray towards and look for, for opportunities to happen uh, here in, in the future. Uh, later on, uh, once you've gotten to know them, uh, you might have the opportunity to, to share about Jesus with them, to share your story of how God has changed you, how he saved you, and, and how the, uh, God loves them and has the same offer on the table for them to, to know him and be forgiven and to come into a relationship with him. And uh, our commitment at City on a Hill is to prepare you for that moment. That's not something we're asking you to do tomorrow. It's something we're committed to uh, over time, really helping intentionally make you feel less scared about because you're more prepared for. Um, and then lastly, uh, it's those who are being discipled. And it may be here at City on a Hill. They may be in another church. Um, and uh, you, as you get to know your neighbors, you might indicate on your app who's already a believer and who's already in a church. Uh, you know, you ever want to do something to, to make a difference in your neighborhood, going to other believers isn't a bad place to start to make a difference in, in your neighborhood. And I know as you uh, begin to, um, to, uh, to look at this, um, you know, it, let me show you the next, the next slide here. 
because every day you're going to get a, a reminder by email. You get to choose uh, how many neighbors you, you do this for. You can uh, pray for five to 250 of your neighbors. I don't, I don't really think 250 is a good idea. <laughs> Um, you know, you might start somewhere like around 25, but that will be a decision you get to make, right? You get to pray and decide how many. Don't just do it to be nosy so that you know 250 names, you know. The goal is I'm going to pray for these people. And every day, whichever days you've selected, you can select one day a week or all seven. I select six days a week. Uh, I get an email reminder um, of five particular names for that, for that week to pray for, for, sorry, for that day to pray for. And they give me a suggested prayer and this isn't something I have to pray. I, I can, you know, I can connect with, with God and, and pray over them in my own words. But I have found that the suggested prayer every day gets my mind off of the busyness, the things I'm thinking about and gets me focused on God and, and God's desires for my neighbors and um, it's helped me to pray for them, something specific. And uh, to take li- literally a couple of minutes a- of my day and pray for my neighbors by name for God's blessing in their life, for God's provision in their life, for the softening of their hearts, that, that, that he might provide an opportunity and that he would prepare me for the opportunity to, to share with them. And, um, you know, you look at this and... Those of you who are most spiritual in the room and excited about this opportunity straight off the bat are thinking, where did this data come from? How did they get this? What do they use it for? It's just public data. It's, it's out there if you Google search it and find it. Uh, this is just a ministry that is using uh, public data for something good for the kingdom instead of to try and sell you an extended car warranty. And... <laughs> It's, a, it's a, a chance for us to, to utilize it and, and begin to put it to use uh, in a way that I think is intentional and strategic and, uh, and shows our neighbors that we, we honestly really do love them. Um, you know, I talked about the, uh, the 307 questions um, that, that Jesus was asked, and he only gave a direct answer to three. One of them was, what is the greatest commandment? The other one was, how should I pray? And I want to share this, this story for you in Luke 18. Because uh, he gave us the Lord's Prayer, right? That was the response. But in Luke 18, he talks about prayer again. And he says, uh, two men went up to the temple to pray. One, a Pharisee. And the other, a tax collector. The Pharisee, standing by himself, prayed thus. God, I thank you that I am not like other men extortioners, unjust, adulterers, someone who goes to city on a hill, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week. I give tithes of all I get. But the tax collector, standing far off, would not even lift up his eyes to heaven, but beat his breast, saying, God, be merciful to me. I'm a sinner. I tell you, this man went down to his house justified rather than the other. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, but the one who humbles himself will be exalted. And it's really important, this passage to me, when we think about prayer, because you don't have to be perfect to pray and to pray for other people. God doesn't want you to pretend that you're perfect. And our prayers don't have to be long-winded. 
This is a simple prayer that was prayed. And our prayers for our neighbors don't have to come out of us not being a hypocrite in that I have to wait till I'm perfect and got everything in order before I can care for other people. That will never happen. That's how delaying obedience is an excuse that we use. But we can pray simple prayers for our neighbors out of uh, a love for them. Um, I want to go back to Matthew 22 um, because when Jesus gave the answer to the question, what is the greatest commandment? Um, we, we have that. We talk about it actually very often in, in Christian circles. And even here at Sydney on the Hill, we've, we've talked about these passages many times. And the, it's the, the, the following verses that I want to focus here on for just a second because I told you that he was, Jesus was asked 307 questions and he answered three of them directly. That means 304 times out of 307, Jesus answered a question with a question. And he engaged in a conversation. He kind of put it back on you. And it's really a great thing. I think we've lost the art of is conversation and have gained this desire to just spew information <laughs> instead of engage in a, in a conversation that goes back and forth and helps a person really engage with their own answer of what they really believe. But in uh, Matthew 22, after he, he gives them these, these truths of the greatest commandments, love God and love others, he says in verse 41, now while the Pharisees were gathered, Jesus asked them a question, so he does come back to them, and he says, what do you think about the Christ? Whose son is he? They said to him, the son of David. He said to them, well, how is it then? David, in the spirit, calls him Lord, saying, the Lord said to my Lord, sit at my right hand until I put your enemies under your feet. If then David calls him Lord, how is he his son? And listen to this part here. He says, no one was able to answer a word, nor from that day did anyone dare to ask him any more questions. <laughs> there, was, there was nothing left to say. Like they, they had no more need for asking him questions because really when we get to, to the bottom of all of this, the only question we need to answer is who is Jesus? Who is Jesus? Who is Jesus to you? Because if Jesus is your Lord, if you love Jesus, you will obey him. The scripture is so clear on that. And, and Derek shared so, so wonderfully last week that it's not trying to be obedient to show him our love. Our love for him propels us to be obedient. We can't help but be obedient. And there's no more need for us to debate Jesus on whether I should love my neighbors in this way, whether I'm called to do evangelism and do your will and, and, and these things that scare me. We have these internal debates in our minds and our hearts. There's no more questions left needed to be asked. If you believe Jesus is who he says he is, we will obey him. We will love our neighbors in an intentional way as we prepare ourselves for those moments as they come up and you know I'll, I'll say this uh, 
about technology and apps, Jesus does not care about them. He doesn't care about technology. He doesn't care about apps. He doesn't care about blesseveryhome.com. But I do know that this is the particular way that City on a Hill have decided to be intentional with reaching our neighbors and for you to reach your neighbors. Uh, what this can do down the road, um, I'll just give you some insight into uh, the opportunities it can present to us. It, it can give us the, uh, the information on every uh, widow who lives within 25 miles of City on a Hill that we might be able to be intentional with them when the most lonely seasons of the year come around. It gives us an opportunity to, to care for them in the way that the scripture has told us. It will tell us whose homes have single parents. That when we do a back to school event or a vacation Bible school that we can really make an uh, intentional uh, effort to involve them in a way that is appropriate for their situation. You know, and, and there's so many great things. When somebody new moves into the area, which is happening every day, right? You've seen it. Somebody new moves here. They don't know anybody. They're, they're just, they have no community. We get the chance to be the first people to call them and say, how can we help? How can we help you settle in? How can we help tell you about what, what's good to eat around here? Do you have a church to, to be participating in that, that will know you and love you? and lead you to find help, hope, and healing, and be the first people to reach out to those who move here and know nobody. There's so many great things that you will be able to do, that we can do together, but it starts with praying for our neighbors, and really it starts with our hearts and answering the question, who is Jesus to you? And uh, you know that there's two words that don't go together. They just don't go together. It's no Lord. You can't have him as your Lord and tell him no. You know, and I'm not telling you Jesus is telling you to use an app. He don't care about apps. But he is telling you to love your neighbors in an intentional way. And this is the way that the staff and the elders at City on the Hill have, have been using. We're not asking you to do something we haven't used ourselves and been using ourselves um, and this is this is the way forward that as a church people can know that we love our neighbors when you go to the website as of today you go to our website uh, one of the very first things you'll see in the very top menu you don't have to click down and click another thing click another thing it's right there is bless every home that's a place for you to go and sign up and it's also a place for our uh, visitors, people who look at our church for the first time, to know we don't only care about each other in this room and have it stopped there. We are serious about loving our neighborhoods and loving those who are not yet a part of our church. And uh, I heard it said this way this week, when you come across a non-believer in your neighborhood and we approach them differently than we do everyone else, it might be helpful for you to change the way you view them to simply view them as brothers and sisters to be. They're, they're not here yet. Uh, but God loves them. And we're commanded to love them. And we're going to give this, uh, the last part of, of this morning, this next last three minutes, uh, for you to, to sign.
sign up, get your phones out and sign up. Don't wait until I think about it and whether I might be obedient or not. Sign up right now. One time you won't get in trouble for using your phone in church. And if you find out the Manchester United score, don't tell me. I've got it recorded. So I sign up on this phone, uh, sign up on, on this app, uh, and then take some time and pray for your neighbors right now. I will tell you, uh, this is going to be possible for those of you in the room that do not want to use phones or apps or online applications for loving your neighbors or for doing anything else. You don't like technology at all. You don't use it at all. Uh, we can help you. We can print out the list of your neighborhood and uh, have your neighbors by name and you can still pray for them by name and do the same thing and we have a ways to do that um, but I'm going to give you some time to do that and uh, just pray for your neighbors by name as we're afraid to, to love those who don't yet know you. Lord, pray that you would lead us to prepare ourselves and be intentional with, with, with learning and equipping ourselves uh, so that we can feel enthusiastic and excited and equipped with, with the truth. Lord, um, I pray for every person in this room that had a specific name that came to mind. I pray you would embolden them and use them to be a light to their neighbors and uh, pray for every neighbor that came to mind, every every face or every name or every every image of house that, that came into people's minds this morning. I, I pray that you would be at work in their hearts, prepare their hearts as, uh, as we intend to be intentional to reach them more and more and more over the coming weeks, months, and years. Father, we thank you that we do none of this without you. 
I pray that you do something amazing in our city and in our neighborhoods as we are just obedient to you. And I pray this in your name. Amen. Amen. All right. Hey, uh, I'll end with this and tell you, uh, March 27th, uh, we have our quarter lead, uh, which is our leadership, um, quarterly leadership uh, training. Everybody is invited to come and participate as we will train you in Bless Every Home. Okay, we're going to show you how to use it, get over the kinks of the app, of the app and the website, and, um, and just kind of navigate, answer your questions or concerns you might have, and, um, and help equip you to, to be ready to use that to pray for your neighbors. So plan on that, put it in your calendar, be intentional. We'll see you there on March 27th. Have a great day. Thank you.